there, I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome to Aging Fearlessly. I'm Karen Sander and uh, look, today it's all about resilience. It's something we need to survive life, but in particular times like COVID. My guest today is very inspiring and you will know her. She's quite a regular on my show, Kelly Van Nelson. She is a poet She works for a Fortune 500 company as a managing director, so she's incredibly talented. Uh, And her life hasn't always been what people perceive. She's had some really tough times, but she is one very resilient woman. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me back. I just love chatting with you and you know the best thing today, we're actually in the studio, which is rare these days. I've been doing most of my interviews by Zoom and I much prefer seeing my guests in this studio with me. Absolutely. Good to have live energy. That's what it's all about. So how important is this topic, resilience? I think it's right at the core of who we are and what we do and how we sort of progress through life. So for me, it's a a vital component of, of just being a fully rounded person and being able to bounce back from the things that life throw at us. It's something people talk about regularly now, you know, are they really resilient? And I do know some people who really are very resilient. I've watched them go through struggles with work and with life. And sometimes you wonder how come they survive and can still smile. Yeah, I think, I mean, we see this especially at the moment with the pandemic, people who have been affected in so many different ways and the pandemic's affected almost everyone. But I think what we uh, see is the good side of people coming out who can create opportunity and um, find different sides to their lives to move forward and progress despite what is kind of in there, uh, despite the obstacles there. So I, I think sometimes adversity brings out the best in people. And if you can pivot and evolve and reshape and not be afraid of changing yourself in line with circumstances, then the world can still be a great place and just embrace everything life brings. I think, you know, those curveballs that we get mm. thrown, because absolutely no one on this planet goes through life without a curveball. Mm. And for some people, those curveballs just keep, they keep coming and coming and coming and you think, what have you done to deserve that? But as you said before, we need to know how to bounce back yep. from those, the things that life throws us because we are human. It's part of being human. Mm, exactly. And the curveballs are a given. I don't know anybody in life who hasn't had a curveball thrown at them. So 
I think I've used this sort of um, phrase before. If you get a curveball thrown at you, you can either stand there and it's going to hit you in the face, and it's not <laughs> like going to be good, you know, if you if you don't move, or you can move. Uh, you know, you can duck and you can weave and you can, or you can reach out and catch it and, you know, create your own opportunity off the back of that and, and, and throw it back. So, yeah, it's sort of, some of it's about choice and whether you do or don't respond to the given situation and stare in the face or you, you, you move and evolve. I'm a mover and evolver. <laughs> yeah, well, I think our life or our world these days is so fast, mm. much faster than yeah. when I I was born in the 50s. Did I say that? <laughs> I was born in the 50s. And life was much slower. You wrote letters to make mm. appointments. You didn't have a phone with you that your manager could contact you any time of day. You couldn't be tracked where you were. You Emails didn't come. I, I honestly wonder how someone in my role in as a salesperson ever because that's my full-time role, ever managed. Mm. I know in the face of business is, is changing so rapidly. And it's always changed. I mean, the days of, you know, fax machines when I was first in business and there was no email <laughs> and we, you know, we, uh, we went in a taxi to drop off information to a client. Oh. You know, those days are gone. And, you know, t- tomorrow there will be new technology and there will be new ways of working and new business processes. And if you if you don't embrace that change, you, you know, you, you're not going to future-proof yourself. So mm. re- resilience is absolutely key. It's key in work. It's key in life. And, you, you know, we have to expect that change is going to come. It's inevitable. Now, Kelly, you are a poet, mm. an author. You've written two fantastic poetry books now that, you know, the world is embracing, really, because everybody knows about your poetry, And people look at you in the role you play in the Fortune 500 company and your writing and as a mum and they just see this person that is so super talented and they think, how does she do it? The point I'm getting to is your life was not built on a bed of roses. Absolutely not. I, I mean, I've got a couple of poems that might better describe uh, things, but I was raised in a council house in a working class area of Newcastle upon Tyne in, in Northern England. And it was on the poverty line, low income families. I had a single, uh, my mum my was divorced very young and I had sort of more than one stepfather over the years. And it was incredibly difficult at home. And it, there was not a lot of love in our household at all. It was a pretty cold household. And it was also really bad at school. So I would go to high, I, I changed high schools midway through high school years. So new kid on the block and a lot bullying at school went on mm-hmm. for a long time. And I, I learned resilience from a really young age and I learned thick skin and I learned coping mechanisms to just keep getting up in the morning and you face the world again and you find new ways to not to reinvent myself but to build up thicker skin and to be able to cope with those challenges and that's made me much stronger a much stronger person and part of what well what I want to say next is it could have gone the other Mm, way absolutely yeah and for so many of my friends uh, back then, who were in very similar circumstances, it did go different ways. You know, I've got a lot of friends who ended up in trouble and 
uh, you know, ended up in substance abuse situations and worse. And, it, it, you know, you can take different pathways when you're facing those types of scenarios. And I didn't. I always knew that I wanted to better the pathway that I, I had. I knew that I could forge out something else that wasn't what I was sort of dished out as a child. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I started doing things with intent, taking sort of baby steps towards a better future and wasn't at the time particularly strategic. But when I look back, I was, I was quite purposeful about the choices that I made. Mm, and choices is a great word because you, you ha- we all have choices. We can take the high road or the low road or the wrong road. But I guess it's about setting goals. You probably didn't realise then you were setting yourself goals. You were dreaming, mm. but you were maybe visualising goals. Yeah, I, I definitely was dreaming. I, my my high school friends that I did have, uh, and I'm still good friends with today, remind me often actually that I used to say when I was sort of 13, maybe maybe 14, I'm going to write a book one day. I used to say it and I used to be, they, they always knew I was a big reader. I used to read till sort of 2, 3 a.m. 3 a.m. in the morning to sort of escape reality of, you know, arguments going on in the house and all kinds of things. And I said it then and I knew I would do it. And I, I, it, I just always had that dream, but I knew somewhere that if I put pen to paper and worked really hard, I could make it a reality. And I think that's the difference. If it's, it's a dream of it, if you don't do anything about it, but if you take some measures to try and achieve that goal, then it, it can become your new reality. So I, I, yeah, it took me quite a long time to be published, but I, I, I started writing young and I said it out loud that that was what I would achieve in life. I think some of my wealthiest friends and well, financially wealthy, I'm saying, but some of my wealthiest friends have been, I want to rephrase, some of my wealthiest friends have not been high achievers at school. In fact, almost dropouts. Mm. And they have built very successful businesses Mm. without any university degrees, anything other than a trade. Yep. To me, that's making choices, setting goals and becoming resilient. Mm, Absolutely. I left school at 16. So to be managing director of a global Fortune 500 and, you know, for an enormous company in its own right in Australia – yeah, leaving school at 16 is not the normal pathway to that type of corporate role. But I, I, you know, I never saw it as a setback or as a real obstacle. I saw it that, yeah, I'm going to have to work hard. I, I will have to learn. I will have to keep upskilling and leverage all of the opportunities that I can to not to compensate, but to just keep growing and learning because I hadn't gone the university pathway. I couldn't afford to. And it paid off. I, I still do that today. I, I'm, I so embrace new opportunities. I will try out the new technology and, you know, give give new ideas a go and put put take some business risks and personal risks. And and I've always done that. And I never really saw the lack of education as a setback. Kelly, will you share a poem mm. 
that maybe talks about your life a little in the early days? Or Yeah, let's do an early days one and then I'll do a one about growing up into, uh, into today's world. And I've got a few actually. I might, I might do a, a little one about the folks maybe or this one's about my father. So I'm going to do this one first and then we can chat a bit more because I've got some other ones that lead off this. Okay. This one is called Did He Know? Did he know the sun would never rise without his daughter thinking of being tickled under the armpits? Tickled pink at having a daddy at home like all her friends at school. When he divorced her mother, did he know the sun would never set without her crying herself to sleep? Leaving the pillow soaked with despair. After a week passed by of her breath making clouds on the window as she waited in vain for him to stroll up the garden path, her stomach churning from famine, desperately craving the nourishing sound of the doorbell ringing, did he know the simple things would become difficult? Laughing, dancing, singing, playing. On the day she didn't graduate from college, decorated with distinction, did he know how worthless she felt to have nobody there congratulating her? on anything? Was it conceited to want to shine in the limelight and see it reflected in a proud father's eyes? During moments of self-destruction when pity's poison ivy spawned around her neck and confusion wrapped its lead weight around her ankles, did he know vile names manifested inside her skull, bullying her with relentless verbal abuse, defenceless, unlovable, rejected nuisance? The heartbreaking moment when she received news from a distant relative of the funeral he starred in last year. Did he know how peace might be with him, but would evade her until the day she joined him in heaven to demand answers? Yeah, so that's sort of... Exp- yeah, my um, my childhood, I don't have a lot of regrets, but I have a lot of par- parental regrets. And my father passed away when he was 46. So he... Um, yeah, I had a very mixed relationship with him, good at a young age, and then he disappeared for a while, and a lot of unresolved business with my mum and so on, and, and then one day he was just gone. Yeah, so at 46, to to be gone really suddenly was quite, you know, quite traumatic. And then on top of that, I didn't get on with my mum, so I'm estranged from my mother uh, for various reasons, didn't see eye to eye, you know, really ever. And so I really effectively don't, see myself as having parents and yeah to to not have them there I, I sort of again felt like I was on a mission you know to carve out a different path and again I could have allowed it to bring you down and you know you've got this grief and everything going on but yeah I just saw it as an opportunity I'm going to still live my life the way that I would stand there and feel proud you know that pride mm. if my father was still here it's mm. a very brave stance Mm. you've taken and you know hats off to you because as we said you it could have gone Mm. the other way and you could have just been the victim Mm. there's no not one letter of the word victim Mm. no not (laughs) at all for you um I want to share something that a relative of mine um similar situation and was estranged from his father for the last 25 years of his life, his father never met his two beautiful granddaughters, Mm. made his life hard, but he took the stance as well that one day I'm going to marry and I'm going to give my wife 
and my uh, my wife a great life and you know happy happy wife happy life but um i'm going to give my children what i didn't have and he has been the most brilliant parent and a brilliant husband and a brilliant member of the family that he married into um and he's very much loved um and that's a choice as well. Yeah. And he made that choice. I remember having that conversation with him. He was about 19. And today he's 63, 64. And he has lived up to that, those choices mm. and that vision and goal yeah. throughout his life. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely feel that way too. And I think I've got two beautiful children and I pour all of this love into them Not and yeah, I want to be the best mother for them and be there for them. And I think what happens in your childhood shapes you for the future, but it doesn't shape your you, everything about you because mm-hmm. the decisions come from yourself and you, you can still make different you know uh, choices. So, yeah, I, I, ne- I never saw anything that really happened or didn't happen, did happen. I never saw any of it as a setback. I just saw those things as next steps, things that I had to deal with and that when I came out the other side of that, I would be a stronger person. And I, I, I still do that today. I've, I've got these all these little phrases, you know, and I've got a favourite one, which is only you can spread your wings and fly. And I, and I often tell myself if I'm experiencing something tricky that day, you know, you can uh, you can let yourself clip your own wings and you can get down about what happened yesterday and you can eat yourself up over situations or you can spread your wings and soar above things and, and you know, go for it and, and just keep flying. And so I, I use that phrase all the time, only you can spread your wings and fly, no matter what I'm facing. Often I say it to myself in the morning, it's crazy. And I, I pin it up on my desk at work and it's on my phone. Yeah. I, I love that phrase. Yeah. Mm. And I've heard you talk about that phrase before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I sometimes look at people's parenting skills mm. and where they've everything this has been handed to their children on a silver platter mm. and then years down the track they go oh look they won't get a job they just sit around and they 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 get a job and they leave the job and I think well where was the incentive to become resilient you know the kids could have chosen mm. the, but they didn't Everything came too easy. Mm. Do you think sometimes that things being too easy mm. make us less resilient? Yeah, I think it's easy. The easiest thing is to, uh, you know, give all the reasons why not. Mm-hmm. You know, you can come up with a thousand reasons why not do something or why the day is tough and why, you know, we didn't achieve the dream or do whatever we said, you know, set ourselves out to do. It's much more hard work to say, why? Why am I going to do this? I'm going to get up this morning and I will make this happen. Um, but if you get into that positive mindset for a period of time, it becomes your new norm. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes the new f- um, mindset. And that is what I feel builds resilience. If you just get up in the morning and say, why, why, you know, I, I can do this and why, why you know, why not? Yeah. So, yes, I I just, I face life each morning and I say, all right, what am I going to achieve today? I I don't procrastinate a lot. And I figure, all right, if I take this baby step today and I tick off that one thing, I'm going to be a tiny bit closer to a bigger goal. And it becomes bite-sized, it becomes achievable. And it's quite 
a satisfaction there in you know taking the steps forward and eventually you achieve your dreams um i wanted to go back a, a little bit to like we're coming up to the the hsc shortly mm. and there's a lot of parents who push their kids to do their very best that they think that this is the one chance they have for success mm. and i don't agree with that yeah i'm with you I think there are so many options in life and you don't always have to take the natural, obvious route. I, I mean, my school, I've got, I've got, in fact, I might, I might, I've got a poem called Weeds about my old school, yep. which talks to this a little bit. And I, and then um, I do a lot of work with youths around t- different options and embracing different options and not being afraid of following and, and non, you know, not conforming sometimes to expectations and, and taking different routes to whatever it is they want to achieve. But I'll, I'll do this poem. It's not, it's not a really long one. It's called Weeds. Yep. Woke this morning, pulled on the suit, glanced out of the window at the immaculate lawn with perfectly manicured borders and pretty flowers in full bloom. In the office, the plants are plastic, easy maintenance, low-cost investments that will never wilt in line with frugality strategy. Head to a conference and speak on stage, share advice on how to grow our business and realise how far I've travelled to leave behind the concrete slab of my childhood, recalling how we all struggled at school, truanting, taunting, taunted. Back at my Beechwood desk, I ask Google to find the contact details of my old headmaster. I want to offer to conduct a motivational speech in my old hometown to high school girls, underprivileged, undernourished, some likely under the influence. Find images of a dilapidated school, shut down last year due to insufficient grades, weeds sprawling the grounds where I once tried to dodge hockey sticks from bruising my ankles. I have so much to say to these forgotten girls set adrift without an olive branch. This is my new stage, these pages covered with rambling ivy. Weeds can still flourish in fertile soil, perfect for cultivating seeds of hope that will always flourish in the wilderness. Yeah, so I I, I talk to, I love high school work. And I love it because I, I, I tend to look around the crowd in a classroom or in, a, in, a, in an audience and so many of the kids are lost and they're feeling that they need to try and get into uni and get the best grades and, you know, give everything they have in their school years and, you know, walk out of there a graduate and get the best job on the on the table. And for almost everyone in that class, it's not always the reality. They've got problems at home or they've got Mm -hmm. anxiety or they've got something happened with friends or a mountain of circumstances that are, you know, causing weight on their shoulders. So I try and help them to say that that is okay. It's absolutely okay. And there are many other ways that you can find life success and you can find joy and happiness, whether it's through family or through other forms of work or through getting a trade or whatever it may be. And I encourage them to be unique. You know, we can all be unicorns and uh, yeah, and not to all try and be part of the same herd, which is probably not what the teachers all want me to say. They probably want yeah. me to, to say, and, and, and there are a number of kids that do want to follow an academic path and that's also okay. I, I think it's about unique, embracing unique, you know, t- children and helping to find their strengths and also allowing their weaknesses to, uh, uh, you know, to, to exist and that they, they're okay with their weaknesses. 
following an academic path doesn't necessarily have to start when you finish school. Mm. (laughs) I know many people that choose an academic path much later in their life. Yes. And I have examples of friends who have gone on to become, you know, fantastic medical doctors, specialists who who really, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but starting as a nurse and then turned her nursing career into a specialist doctor. Mm. Um, so a lot of people don't necessarily choose from the start where they, you, you know, your life changes. I chose to be a teacher mm. and it was a good choice for me at the time, but it was the wrong choice too. And I've gone down many different paths and I've taken teaching to other areas other than in the classroom. And now I work in in sales and business development and I have a podcast and story room and all sorts of other interests that take me on other journeys. And my point is that this is only the beginning of a bigger picture. Yep. And I want to, I want for high school kids, life's, you know, it's not a dress rehearsal, but you can certainly take your time Mm -hmm. in, in making the choices that are right for you. Because, you know, every year's different, every decade's different and things just naturally change and we can shape it ourselves yeah exactly yeah I ended up going back to night school when I was um maybe 19 or 20 I put myself through night school and I did a computer course computers were coming out into the world you know in those days before we had computers I did a little night class and I learned the skill and you know, I'm uh, in my in my mid forties now, and I am still learning and thinking. All right, I, I probably should learn a new skill, and I want to learn a new skill. And I'm thinking now about doing that degree I didn't do when I was, you know, eighteen, and you know, sort of toiling with that idea. And uh, there are so many different times for people to to do whatever it is. You don't have to do it all when you're fifteen, sixteen. Mm. And yeah, I think it's just, you know, everybody's going to have their own unique path. And if you're on the wrong one, it's okay as well to step off it and find a new one and and make a change. And especially now as well, it's so easy to, um, you know, Google different options and find new opportunities. Oh, I've got to love Google. Oh, yeah, you've got to love (laughs) Google. Yeah. And there are so many courses out there that people can embrace and try new skills and yeah, you know, you mentioned the podcast skill and, you know, it might be something creative and, mm. you know, and and setting out to build up those skills and take a creative pathway. So there's so yeah, many pathways. Rules, yeah. And lifelong education. Mm. We have to. It, oh, it's, sure. our, it's our purpose. And, you know, I was talking to someone about the Human Givens, another radio station this morning. And, um, you know, part of it is purpose. Mm. And I, I guess purpose in mm. resilience is is plays a big role having a yeah. purpose whether your purpose is being a mum or mm. a dad a carer to someone but purpose is really what 
passion and purpose get you up every day. Yeah, they do. And, you know, now, uh, I mean, uh, the, the company I work for, I work for Adeco Australia and they're the, you know, the largest staffing company in the world. And I watch every day the, the most sought after skills that we're looking for from candidates. And the number one skill right now, is, it's it's not any of the hard skills or technology skills or all the, the obvious things we would think. It's agility and resilience. Mm. Because all employers right now are looking for people who can come in. They don't need the hard skills. They can upskill on those. They need to come in with resilience to accept the world is different now. It's going to be different tomorrow and that they're prepared to change and be agile and accept different circumstances and potentially different kinds of work. And it's all about the the attitude of agility and the resilience to, you know, really face the, the adversities and to keep going back and um, contributing to employ, you know, your employer. Mm. It's the number one skill. Everything that we try in life, we can fail at, mm. but it's never a failure. It's a learning curve. We think it's a failure. Yeah. Like, I didn't make a million dollars doing that. Well, it's not a failure, but what did I learn along the way? And exactly. I've, I've had to learn that for myself. Mm. Um, and, mm. man, I've stuffed up so many things oh, in yeah, my me life. Too. I mean, gosh, I could, <laughs> I could write a book on Karen Sanders' major stuff-ups. Yeah. But, um, yep. And some of it would be very humorous, but um, – I think that they've taught me and made me resilient. And I, just, I, I, can I, I will share a bit about me because I, I openly talk about anxiety. Sorry, I always get – it's not that I'm scared or I'm sad. It just is an emotional topic for me. Um, I have my anxiety well and truly under control, Thank you know, thanks to hard work and hard work and looking within me and understanding why, and it does come from a lack of self-esteem and um, not trusting myself, etc. right back to when you were talking about your school days. And it played havoc in my life. I talk about the mouse wheel, and I was always on the mouse wheel, running around, ruminating over thoughts, getting off, scared, fearful, get back on, run, run, run. Um, and you really wonder how you're going to survive. And looking so far forward into 20 or 30 years, am I going to be like this forever? Scares the crap out of you, quite frankly, and makes you worse. So I've built resilience by slowly building up my own confidence, my own skills, and I trust myself. And I know that I can do just about anything. I mightn't do it super well, but give me something to try and I'll have a go Maybe not maths, <laughs> but you know. But look, I, if you'd have said to me, I would have written a book. Um, I would have my radio program. I'd be speaking on commercial radio, not a lot, but I do. Um, all the things that I've done, I would have gone, oh yeah, sure. Mm. But it's just by one step, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. Build the skills, build the confidence, build the self-esteem build the resilience yeah. and I've had some setbacks over the years and rise above them mm. find a way yeah. ask someone reach out you're not on your pat Malone yeah that's it yeah I think not letting the self-doubt you know overshadow everything that you're not reaching out for support and help and 
you know, acknowledging it's there and, and, and you know, trying to find ways to um, overcome some of those self-doubts and then the confidence can build from there. Mm. But yeah, it makes you a stronger person, I think, to overcome anxiety and yeah, absolutely. They say, um, I haven't had children but women forget what childbirth's like. Yeah, I don't, uh, trust me. I, I Both of my births were terrible. That's for another day, not for your listeners. Well, so, so for listeners, you know, they do say women, I, I can't confirm this, I haven't had any children. But in the same way, I've forgotten a lot of what I went through in anxiety. And someone the other day said something about being agoraphobic. And I was, I thought about it and I went, oh my God. I was so fearful when I had to leave the house. Sorry, I've, mm. I, you know, I say this and go, really? But yes, because I'm the first one to be out and doing things, always doing things. And I, I just said, yeah, the fear of being away from the four walls of home mm. was, and, and so yeah, you can overcome these things yeah, with the right help. Kelly, have you got another poem? I do. I've got two more for you, but I might do a little one about my fearfulness, which again is from childhood, so it's a heavier one. And I've still got my one. I've got a new one I'm going to finish with later for you. This one's called Dinner for One, and it goes like this. I remember the angst of scavenging for nourishment, the excitement when sustenance was found in a tin of spam selected from the self-service menu in a kitchen cupboard slammed with a bang breaking up an otherwise stony silence while preparing dinner for one. No distraction from acrid smell of poverty, an airborne virus infecting my nostrils, attempting to satisfy growling malnutrition need, because every child needs a daily feed. No point in letting the situation breed contempt, as who gives a shit about trying to represent the Groundhog Day of the twisted event, that although lonely was still a highlight when imminent, my desolate dinner for one. My parched lips washed it down with unfiltered tap water consumed while perched on a rickety chair, wobbling as if laughing at my misfortune sitting there, a chipped orphan plate scorning hungry eyes always lowered, scarred from my mother's glares filled with despise. Familiarity in that crockery that saw behind the scenes mockery towards child welfare that forgot to be there to witness my dinner for one. The piece de resistance dished up on a scratched pine surface barren of pretty tablecloth, not ever needed since I'd dare never spill a drop. Even if I did, I'd use my tongue as a mop to make the most of my dinner, for one. Indigestion took hostage of my stomach when I too quickly crammed tasteless morsels into my young mouth that hung open, forgetting to close with the chew. Table manners were never something taught by you. Fingers my utensils, there was no silver spoon to shovel in my meal because my mother would be home soon. Needed time to wash up, no excuse for her to raise hand to beat me black and blue for being so bad. It was cold in the bosom of the kitchen without the oven on. Why waste energy serving up? Dinner for one. So yeah, my um, yeah, it's never. I've never really been chasing money, but I uh, my fear is to not be able to put food on the table for mm. the kids and, um, yeah, basic survival instincts. I guess is how I would call it. And yeah, I had a roof over my head and and so on. But yeah, it, it, I I've just had that poem published 
today in a uh, for poverty um, and a hunger cause through an American uh, sort of uh, poetry slam I did a few days ago on a different domestic violence topic. And then we got into a conversation about domestic violence in homes when you're a child. So not mm -hmm. necessarily in the, in the relationship yourself, but when domestic violence exists in a house. And then we got on to um, hunger and, yeah, it got published literally this morning. And I've been wow. talking, it's just a completely different topic. But, yeah, so everyone's got their different fears. And, again, um, yeah, some of, some of mine are just about trying to help the underdog and not let things get you down. And that, again, comes from resilience. I try and coach on on that resilience piece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we're talking about resilience today and you know I guess that as humans we're we're hardwired to see threats you know the lion comes out of the the bush and we run yeah <laughs> you know, I yeah, run really fast, fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but but resilient people sort of look to find the positives mm, to always. to solve a situation so we can all look at any situation and find the absolute worst mm. in it. And I know when I was having some counselling, because I really, I did really lose it in, just as I was turning 50 um, and had probably one of the worst anxiety times in my life. And I sought out a quite a good practitioner and she used to talk to me about how I saw things in scales and on a 1 to 10, either things were good or that things were like 10. It was yep. 10, it was going to be wrong. And But there's all sorts of colours in the middle and, you know, shades and numbers. So am I sort of making sense that mm. you can – It's ne something's never there or there. There's just so much in between. And looking for those things in between, well, it's not probably going to be that bad. Yep. And the other trick that I always have when I'm, I really go down on myself about, but what if this happens is – Oh, well, answer the question. If I crash my car today, so what if I crash my car? That's a good example. Well, if I crash the car, I'll call the police and tell them I've crashed the car and then I'll ring the insurance company and I'll tell the insurance company that I've crashed the car and blah. So answer the question because when, you know, when you start asking um, questions and just leaving them open, it puts the fear of God in you. Yep, it does. And that's... That's just a, a simple example. Yeah, I've got a little tip as well that I use, which is if I'm getting that self-doubt creep in on anything, whether it's something at work I feel that I've not done a good enough job of or something else, I ask my, my little question to myself is, am I good enough? And the answer is either, yeah, you know, that was actually probably good enough. Or it might be, no, it really wasn't. And do you know what? I'm going to do better next time. And how could I do it better next time? Mm -hmm. So not beating myself up that, no, it wasn't good enough and wasn't that disastrous and it was just terrible and I, 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 things can't go on. I, I just ask myself, was I good enough or not? And if not, what will I do better? And being kind to yourself yeah, about always, it. because yeah. You're so human. Most of the time it is good enough. You know, yeah, it's good, good enough. It's you doubting yourself. Yes, And absolutely. I think the other thing is um, I was, you know, I've been reading a lot this week about resilience because I wanted to really make sure that we get the message across here to help people. But to be grateful for everything we have mm. every day um, – and look for the good in your world, yep. you know, because this place can be harsh. Mm. Um, I don't listen to the news a lot at the moment because, you know, 
10 news stories, there'll be half a news story that's got any glimmer of hope in it. The rest of it's just bad news time. So I try to stay away from that as much as I can. Um, So, yeah, be grateful for for what you've got. Yeah, always. And I've got another one that I heard in all my listening and reading is to decide if something is helping you or harming you. Oh, I love this one. Yes. Yeah, shaking off the negatives. Yep. You know, so, you, yeah, there is a lot of things sometimes we carry for too long, mm-hmm. you know, so shaking off some of that negative baggage. D- ditch the baggage or or, or or unpack it and then repack it more neatly. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, if you can't get rid of the baggage, I, I, I try and unpack it all and then I think, all right, I can put myself back together again in a little bit of a different way. <laughs> They're really great thoughts and, you know, You've heard this one of mine before, I can, I will watch me, because I was always so fearful of being able to do something. And and I used to say, oh, look, I can't do that. And uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, I can, I will watch me. And you mentioned procrastination. These days, I rarely procrastinate. I'll jump right in boots and all, because I find procrastination leaves me suffering more yeah that's it and uh, yeah and having regrets that you didn't move forward yeah yeah and and something else you mentioned you know (laughs) kelly knows that when i'm in the studio and someone's talking i'm writing I, i scribble all over my page i'm showing her now all the things you mentioned something a a saying the weight on my shoulders yeah it is so true that that expression, it is there is weights on your shoulder, and when you shake something off, yeah. and I, I liken this to cleaning the house, right? Your house is an absolute mess, and you're promising to do it. When you've actually taken the time to do it, it lifts the weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. And so, I often find that if I'm procrastinating. By just getting on and doing it lifts the weight off your shoulders. I really love that, the weight on my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. And and I think doing things outside of comfort zone, even if, so doing things that are uncomfortable and trying new things and what have you got to lose, you know, sort of break the rules a little. I've got a poem called Break the Rules, so I'm leading myself in here. Break the rules a little bit and, and live outside of comfort zone and just shake off some of the baggage really and get give new things a go. So share. Yeah, I'll share this one. It's brand new. And I knew we were talking about resilience today. So I had a little stab at something new. So uh, let, let's give it a go. This is the first time live on air. Breaking, breaking the rules. I broke every rule when I graduated school at 16 with certificates filled with GCSEs. Grade A, but still no university degree. I couldn't afford to pay the fee when everything I earned from sweeping floors at the hairdressers, serving six-pack bread buns in the bakers, flipping burgers wrapped in greaseproof paper, went to paying the council official dividends, courtesy of government lip service assistance, for the four walls of rough-cast housing camouflaged in a concrete jungle. Even the SAS would struggle to rescue the girl who always knew life would come with a renewed daily mission. 
I broke every rule when I became a mule, smuggling my underage innocence beneath feigned self-confidence onto the bus to London down a one-way street travelling from Newcastle, on a ticket bought without parental guidance, because even though they say blood is thicker than water... It can also clot the veins, and I wanted to cut the reins from my mother and never look back, and Papa didn't care since the day he left me standing alone there, while he rushed upstairs with a burst archery that flooded his heart while bleeding instead of beating, never coming back downstairs again, to see the girl cut off her pigtails to transform into someone that dovetails seamlessly into society. I broke every rule when I kept my cool because nobody who comes from a broken home wants to be broken. So I survived alone in the big smoke with a few pounds tucked in my coat, pocket, a pocket, rocket, spending the rest on night school to show the world I was no fool. Even though the Queen's English evaded thee and privilege passed over me, I was damn smart, playing the part, refining my art, giving myself a kickstart, following premeditated flow chart into a job, answering the phone, faxing memo, trying to erase the memories of neglected younger years and all the deeply rooted fears that I was never going to be good enough and imposter syndrome would forever be my only companion. I broke every rule not to be cruel but to be kind to myself when my boss chose to remind me that I had made it so far as to fly the cuckoo's nest and I should never rest until I succeeded in making the migration from there to here worthwhile, never clipping my own frantically flapping wings because only you can spread those wings and fly so high I could well see Papa and he might just see me as the woman I'd grown up to be. I broke every rule when I put on a jewel hat corporate executive with a feather in my cap and a cap in my hand working 24-7 building organisational brand before the darkness sets in and the side hustle kicks in and as a poet with deeply rooted scars ingrained in a sonnet with the feather and cap overshadowed in black pain by the sting from the bee in my bonnet buzzing so loudly it's a struggle to remember that I did cut those pigtails off and it's time to tell tales of truth overflowing with what's real hoping to heal the soul who broke and was put back together on an open mic, bearing every crack in the spotlight, not caring if this poem is filled with so many loose threads it can never be wound on a spool, because I'm still the goddamn sharpest tool in the box that you can't box me into, because I'll always be the girl who broke every rule in the school, who grew into a woman who would rather rhyme than recline and decline back into old school. You really bear your soul, don't you? Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, I just, yeah, I find it easier to express life through poetry. So that's a new one. And I thought it was apt for today to sort of sum up our little chat. Um, You mentioned the imposter syndrome. Mm. And I know it's one that many women suffer from the imposter syndrome. And you have one about sitting around the board table. Mm. You mentioned. Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm going to put that in a new book, I think, about uh, the world we live in today and the rat race that we find ourselves on but but I do uh yeah I do still sometimes suffer from imposter syndrome and it's there and you know you can compare yourself to others and you know always see somebody who's better at something than you are and I I just remind myself again saying it's not my time yet I'm at whatever stage I'm at on the journey and am I good enough today a lot of the time and if I'm not then tomorrow I'll try something else to, to close the gap and learn something new and yeah so I I, I'm getting better at the imposter syndrome piece I think it shows that you're human yeah yeah because yeah you you 
you have your own doubts, but you overcome them. We all have our doubts, mm. and but it's putting the doubts behind and getting on with it. And and you know, I know you've, I know you've got a lot of things going on in your life with. Um, your husband works on the other side of Australia and you have a great poem about that too because that's the curveball that's been thrown for you at the moment. Yeah. And being resilient with your kids and you on one side and coping with that, coping with the job, coping with your writing and not being able to have him there to help, that's a big thing to mm. to do. Yeah, we've been separated by the border restrictions with him working on the West Coast and me here and he he's normally home every two weeks. It's been months now and again, it's one of those situations that we've sort of been tossed this, you know, um, issue that we, you know, we're effectively months apart and I have again looked for the silver linings in the situation that we've been given and I can't control that situation. Unfortunately, I'd love to. I, I do try and influence government but I haven't managed to get the borders reopened yet in uh, Western Australia. But uh, I, I have decided that I will try not to let it get me down and I am enjoying the time with the kids and doing different things with the kids, getting out walking and I'm feeling healthier and better and I'm using the time that I have with my my partner being away to write new things. And and I, you know, I'm doing I am doing all of the poetry slams online. And I've created this. <laughs> I, I reckon I'm doing probably at least one a day, sometimes on a weekend, two or three a day in many different countries. I've been doing the US a lot, the UK um, most Saturday and Sunday mornings. Virtually traveling. I, virtually traveling, and my. Uh, author network and writing and poetry network has expanded into mm. you know doing um, collaborations with people I would never have met and you know experiencing new poetry and uh, you know w- ways of working in the writing community that I feel quite blessed in in having that time available to me and you know zoom and the tools that we have I have just clocked in gave it all a go bared the soul on the uh, on the technology and and it's paying off. I've, I've, I'm seeing the positives in the situation, even though it's it's pretty tough. Will you um, talk about poetry as your form of um, coping and helping you to understand your life and and to get through things? And I, I think one of the things in building a resilient you, they talk about journaling is important. And you know, I keep a journal sometimes. I don't keep it all the time. Um, but I think when you start writing things down, it helps to resolve it and just get it out. Um, for someone that's suffering from anxiety, um, I think it's really good to um, be able to write and get it out of your head, you know. Yeah. What if I do this tomorrow? What if I do that? What if I, what if I upset them? And I said, write it down. And I think it, just getting it out onto a piece of paper is really, really helpful. Yeah, exactly. I, I call it free therapy. Ah. You know, so, I, and a lot of people say, oh, you, you, you know, and I do a lot of work helping youths and trying to change the world. But I also write because it heals a little piece of, of self or it deals with some stress from that day. Or as you say, you know, it, it, you're just offloading on the page and you feel better for it. So it, it's got beautiful qualities. It's probably like a musician and, you know, their music or an artist and their painting or whatever. But I, I find it really therapeutic. And I'm finding more and more that it, it, it definitely helps me, but it's starting to help others as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm 
getting into all kinds of conversations about, you know, with other people who've experienced similar or, or their own challenges. And yeah, it's just free therapy. And I think, yeah, it is. And I, I think that buying yourself a nice journal, if you're yep. going to journal or a nice book to, I know you write on your phone I when do, you're yeah, in the anywhere. shopping. Yeah. Mm. shopping, whatever. But, you know, I like to go and buy a journal that looks nice and, and have it by my bed and write. And sometimes I find in the mornings is a good time to write too. But Kelly, look, I want to recap on a couple of things. In in what I've been learning and, you know, learning through life, but learning this week more about resilience. And it's, you know, you have to learn from your mistakes and build on them. And you know, to become more resilient, stay connected with people. I think it's really important, yeah? Yes, and to yourself. Stay connected with yourself and stay connected with other people. And also look at yourself and why things are happening or why you're thinking about that way. There's nothing wrong with taking a deeper look. You know, why? where's that feeling coming from? Why, why am I not able to get past this? Mm. And yeah, I think that's really important. And challenge yourself. Yes. Little challenges. Yeah, small ones. And it's so rewarding if you achieve small baby steps can lead to big goals. And I also love um, the be kind to yourself. Yes. Yeah, because absolutely. We are our own worst enemies. We know that. It's another one of those sayings. But, you know, there's another say, another thing that people talk about mental and and physical well-being. And I heard this recently, mental fitness and that's what we're trying to build, mental fitness, to be mentally tough. And I don't mean tough, ugh. I mean mentally fit tough, you know, like like you build a muscle, you go to the gym, you do weights and the muscle gets stronger. You can build mental fitness yep. and get the mind stronger. And you're an incredibly mentally fit person and it's wonderful to be a- around you because you're just always so joyous and you know grateful for what you've got and you share so much of yourself through your poetry but also just your generosity of spirit and I love that yeah thank you I do uh, I do enjoy the writing and yeah it's just uh, yeah vulnerability and talking about childhood and things came quite late in life I think and the poetry has helped me to find a way to articulate and express things that I now want to say and I'm getting more confident. I'm getting on the open bike and slamming out what I want, want to say and driving a little bit of change in the world, creating a few few good ripples for positive improvements. And I'm enjoying life. And, yeah, obstacles are there to be climbed over. And, Kelly, you're so <laughs> inspiration, uh, inspirational. And for anyone who – you have some two great books, Graffiti Lane and Now Punch and Judy, um, and they really are – Brilliant poetries, as we we talked about a few weeks ago. Poetry is back. It's back. It's especially back with Kelly Van Nelson. And you can find Kelly on Facebook. Yeah, everywhere. Website is just kellyvannelson.com. I'm on, yeah, and connect. I love connecting to new people and creating new networks. I wish I could have you in here every interview. I just love every minute of chatting to you. We, We just vibe and do it so uh, so kelly thanks again thanks listeners um until next time this is karen sander at radio northern beaches and the aging fearlessly podcast see you soon so this is it for today's program 
It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, aging is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in your eye. It's not all nine to five. It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Live out our dreams Just you and me Let your heart be alive There's no time to waste Gotta go get the most This treasure that you've got to find Baby, don't be shy Let's go and take that ride Taste the sweet and the spice Everything else Let your heart be alive Baby, just let your heart come alive Honey, let your heart be alive